Hello and welcome my partners in crime and as always I say that in the best possible way. Now today's case is the Stuart Lubbock case. Now this as you might know it is a body in the pool case and stuff. I think it was my channel 4 documentary done about this case. Now the reason I want to do this case is because I think two days ago actually on the 5th of um, May it was released out that the CPS are now looking into charging someone for this crime. Now this crime um, against Stuart happened in 2001, in the UK in 2001, in March actually 2001. So we're, you know, uh, this has took a long time to prosecute or even try to prosecute really people for, or a person for this crime. Now this crime is, I suppose, very popular because of um, Michael Barrymore. Now the problem is with this is that because it was Michael Barrymore that this lad is associated with in, in this death, there's been so much said about it and done about it and it's hard really to get through all the stuff to try and get to the real facts about what happened. Plus a lot of these people or actually all these people you know in relation to this case have kept quiet for many many years, have not said anything. So really this is a story of yes Michael Barrymore of course has to be in it, of course he does. I think the victim in this case has been forgotten. You know this boy had a terrible death and we're going to go through that and I'm not going to just tell you about it, I'm actually going to show you clips from the um, coroners and stuff and done autopsies on this lad about what death this boy had. Someone needs to be prosecuted for this crime and I think the person that I really admire in this case is Stuart's father, Terry. Now um, as of today um, I've checked and Terry is still alive as far as I know but I know that his father Terry is dying of prostate cancer and um, hopefully you know there may be a conclusion to this case because this man has fought as any of us would when her, our child has been murdered in the way that this boy has. You would fight for justice wouldn't you? But you're fighting you see um, sometimes because when we look right back at this case from the first minute of how they met and then um, how he died or it was assumed he died at the beginning and then the police investigation at the beginning and because of who Barry, uh, Michael Barrymore was, was this case investigated properly right from the beginning? Probably no, not really. So now you've opened yourself up to where you've lost evidence and stuff where you can't get that back. So anyway, this is the case of Stuart uh, Lovelock and he was born on the 1st of October 1969 and he died on the 31st of March 2001. He was a meat factory worker or butcher from Essex um, in England and he died in suspicious circumstances at the home of a television personality, Michael Barrymore. The original investiga investigation was carried out by Essex Police and, and again they was also investigated under the Independent Police Commission for their handling of this case in the early stages. And there was also a formal complaint made by um, I think Anthony Bennett who was um, a lawyer or, or you know held um, with um, the Labrock family or Labrock family and the father on the 4th of December 2006. So there's a lot involved in this case but this case now brings us up right up to today. So this case is just as much now in the limelight as it was then. So on the night Stuart age 31 at the time was out in a nightclub in Harlow with his brother and a few other mates and I think it was a millennium, millennium um, nightclub. Anyway, you know, it was a, uh, it was having a great night and this was 2001, it's when the nightclubs and stuff were packed in them days, you know, um, and they were out having fun and that and um, when he was in there, he was talking to, or a woman came up to him, whispered something in his ear and the brother sort of looked at him and he said, oh, I'm, I'm off to a party you know because Barrymore's in here and he's asked me back and others to his house for a party after our drinking now this is about two o'clock in the morning 
when this was going on. Now, the thing is with Stuart, he'd already been married um, and he, it lasted a couple of years. He wasn't gay at all, actually, as a straight man. Uh, it was said in some of the newspapers that he was gay, but he wasn't. Far from it, to tell you the truth. He was a bit of a womaniser and the women loved him. You know, they did. And I think that's what ended his first marriage, to tell you the truth. Anyway, he had a couple of kids. He was um, divorced at the time. And he was out in this nightclub on this night. And this is where he met Barry Moore. Was in the toilet. Barry Moore come out the toilet, spotted him. A girl who was with Barry Moore come over and said to Stuart, you know, come back and have this little party. So about, I think, 2, 2.30 time in the morning, they all left the nightclub and headed back to um, Royden in Essex. And this was actually where this, you know, home of Michael Barrymore's was. Now it's a luxury home, it had a pool, you know, it was like a manor house, you know, it was an estate. And because um, Barrymore was a very um, wealthy man at the time, he was, he was massively hit on the TV in the 80s and the 90s. This man, you know, earned his money fair and square. You know, he was a very talented man. But he was at this nightclub because a few months or a year or so earlier, he had come out, Michael Barrymore, as being gay. Now, he had been married for a good 20 years, I think. And uh, he was in the closet gay. His wife didn't know. His wife was his manager, and I think she controlled him, to tell you the truth, Barrymore. And he was a bit of a drinker. It's well known that he was a bit of a drinker and a bit of a partier. So I think with Barrymore, he'd gone to this nightclub in Harlow because he was free to do whatever he wanted now, you know. And listen, good on him for coming out as gay. He lived a, a life, you know, a false life for many years. And I think once he came out as gay, he literally, he was just wild, I think. And uh, he started going to all his nightclubs and that with groups of people and stuff. And this is where he met Stuart that night. And they all went back to the, you know, TV presenters, you know, home, luxury home. And that's where they had um, drugs and drink. Now, Barry Morris said there was no drinks there and there was no orgy at this house. And I don't believe there was an orgy, to tell you the truth. I don't believe that's what happened at all. But there was actually drugs there. Of course there was, I think he's admitted it now, um, that there was drugs there. I think even in Stuart's body, it was found that it was uh, MDNA and also cocaine found as well as alcohol found in his body. Now, as they was partying, and you can imagine they're all partying, and they're really, I suppose, are out their heads. And um, all of a sudden, I think within within three hours, anyway, this boy was dead. Okay, or dying. He died at the hospital, I think, Harlow Hospital, in the morning about eight thirty. But he was, you know, they said it was drowned in. And I think if I can find the a link to play you the recording of the. Um, phone call that was made about the, about the body being found in the pool. It's a very strange recording anyway, this. So anyway, we don't really know what happened. No one does. No. People at the party have sold their stories to a few people. A few, um, I think at the time they were selling them to the News of the World and different people. One of them sold a story for 60000 the other one sold their story for 30000 But it's all bullshit, really, and even the reporters knew that. It was all lies. You know, it was all lies. Now, whether they was lying because they really couldn't remember because they were so out their head, or whether they was lying to cover up something, but they were lying anyway. So I think this is where we've got to in this case, is you just don't know what's going on. You have Barrymore, when the body of Stuart was found in his home, in his poll, he said that he had been in the jacuzzi got out and he saw a body floating in the pool and this was Stuart's body that was floating. Now Barrymore said he didn't jump in and because he was found in the deep end of the pool, Stuart, he didn't jump in and save this boy or try and do anything to this boy because he, Michael Barrymore says he can't swim. Now that allegation is uh, been proven to be wrong because his wife, his ex-wife has said hang on a minute you can, you can swim I think she put 10 names forward to, for people saying that they've seen this man swimming, so he swam. So for some reason, Michael Barrymore never even tried to save this boy from this pole. What Michael Barrymore did was pack up a few things, get changed, put a bundle of stuff under his arm, 
and leaves the house. He left the property. Now, <laughs> the thing is at the time, what Barrymore was saying, he didn't realise he only thought the boy had drowned. Now, I think, I think with Barrymore, you have to give him a little bit of credit, I suppose, because when you look at Barrymore, he is so up himself, right? He was this big TV star. All Barrymore was thinking about this poor boy drowned or dying in his pool. I need to get out of here because the publicity is coming. That's what he said. The pub, you know, the newspapers are coming. I'm going to be on the publicity. Plus, he was out of his head. Plus, he was drinking. Plus, there's drugs all over this place. Now, I'll tell you now, when you find a body in the pool, no matter how much drink and drug you had, you were soon liven yourself up because these people that actually run the emergency services didn't sound that out of their head to me. It soon sobered you up. But what my question is, I think, for Michael Barrymore, is even if you thought it was an accident, why would you leave? Who advised you to leave your home? And then we find out that this boy then died under suspicious circumstances. And then we find out that this boy has been raped. He's been raped and murdered and thrown in the deep end of the pole. So did Michael Barrymore leave his house because he's just a jumped up TV presenter that thought he didn't have to face it, you know, thought only about his own career before the life of somebody else? Or did he run because he knew what had happened? Now, you know, we don't know because by Michael Barrymore, I'll give him that, has always said he's denied any knowledge of this. And to tell the truth, right, it is probably telling the truth, really. I wouldn't say the man's a rapist and that, I, I, I don't know. But did he know? Or if he didn't know, was he that out of his head? That he couldn't swim? I don't know why he wasn't honest. And because none of these people have been honest from the beginning of this case. This is why we're 20 odd years down the line still talking about this and still trying to find out what really happened that night to Stuart. Because this was a victim. Listen, Stuart wasn't gay. He went there because he met Barrymore, this massive TV presenter. He was going there to have a party. There was girls there, and I'll give you the list of who was there in a minute. He weren't going there for anything else. Probably drugs, drink, party. He'd go to work the next day and tell all his mates, blimey, try and get so I've been partying with all night. Barrymore. You know, <laughs> that's why Stuart was there. He weren't there for anything else. This boy was dead, you know, really, within hours of getting to this property. Now, someone in that property murdered this boy. Now, I can honestly believe that some of them were probably so far out their head they didn't even realise what was going on. I could understand that because that's what drugs do to you and drink. But someone knows something and this is what's coming out now. So things are about to change. But before we go on to what's happening now, I think we have to look at all the other stuff that's been said and done by this group of people throughout the years. So listen, Barrymore's career really was over wasn't it you've left now the scene of a crime you have now got the publicity that you've always craved but it's the wrong publicity isn't it now these people are going to take you down really these people have had enough because now we've gone to the coroner's court because you know we've had all these different things saying i think before they went to coroner's court there was an inquest into the death there was also um the, there was three people i think there was the coroner that said, one of the people that examined the body down the post-mortem said that he died from drowning. And um, I think the coroner said, no, that's not right. There was lots of issues here with that. And then he had it redone. Um, I think this, this autopsy, this thing was done three times in the end and you'll, you'll see from the doctors as I put on, they can tell you better about it than I can. But it was found though that this boy did not die of drowning. He died of being sexually assaulted probably by a door handle 
and also a pull pump thing uh, with like four bits on the end and that was used to sexually assault the steward. Probably they feel that it was um, done in the jacuzzi part of the pool um, and then because of the pain and it would have been intense pain um, Stuart had a cardiac arrest. So as I say now they found him dead, they've rung the police, they've rung the you know ambulance and everything. He's now been taken to Harlow Hospital where um, they tried to resuscitate him and everything else. All he was found in was a pair of boxer shorts. That was it. He wasn't completely naked. He had a pair of boxer shorts on. Then, so as then the paramedics have turned up, the police have turned up to Barrymore's home. Because it's Barrymore's home, they've sort of believed what they're saying. They're looking around at this thing, they can tell it's a party, they know there's been drugs there, and so the Essex police really took their word for it. They did cordon off certain areas, but they still allowed, I think, um, Barrymore's publicist or, or manager to go in. They allowed people on to a crime scene. Now, the thing is, as people were coming and going, I mean, and this man denies taking anything from this home. The crime scene photos were taken, so they did all that right. Now, in the crime scene photos you'll see I put up, you can see this pump thing and the door handle. They were then missing once the police went back to search this property for evidence. They went missing. So, again, the police didn't cordon off, they didn't secure this property. They believed that at the time what they were being told that this was... Um, a death by drowning because he was out of his head on, on drink and drug. They just left it at that. That was it. They never really went into it. Until then the coroner said, no, this boy was raped. There's a sexual assault here happening. By that stage, this evidence is gone. Never to be found again. No one knows who took it. And I think this is why the Essex police have tried right up until today to make up for their failings earlier on because they believed because it was someone like Barrymore that what these people were saying were true this wasn't a council house on the corner you know having a rave party this was a mansion this was a mansion someone in the public eye listen anybody can be a murderer you can be murdered anywhere doesn't matter what the area is what you know and I think this police, from that minute, that's where the start of these mistakes happened. Because of who Barrymore was, where they was. They allowed things to go on, which they never should have. And this jeopardised this case right from then. So of course, when this is all, you know, come out by the press, of course the press are all over it, aren't they? Barrymore's career's over, really. It's over. Now... You know, it's, it's quite a shame, really, because the man was a very good entertainer. And I think he's made mistakes in his life that he probably feels very sorry for. Now, as I say, there's no connection, actually. And he's died, he, he is, Barrymore's denied any, any responsibility for this boy's murder. But you see, when then they went to and had an inquest into this case, after all these findings, and then the public, and I think this is what's, happened with the public, and especially in the UK, or the, you know, the England over him, is because Barrymore was this TV personality everyone liked and trusted, wasn't he? We believed him. And then, so when he came out and said, it wasn't me, it was you drowned, this, that and the other, we sort of believed him. And then we think, well, someone's done it. You know, it comes out now he's been raped and murdered. Well, someone's done it in this home. Well, we're all thinking, well, Barrymore, when he goes on to this coroner's court, you know, to give his evidence, he's going to tell the truth. One of these people are going to tell the truth, but they all had no comment. They all, it was all crap what they were coming out with. And this is what really damaged Michael Barrymore, really. Not him coming out as gay, not him even having finding a body in his pool of Stuart. It's his actions that really damaged his career. The silence, the lies. He could have just been honest and said, even if he didn't know anything, Listen, I was out of my head. I was drunk. I didn't know. People would have respected that. But these people, we don't know, we don't know, don't know. That's what they said. And I think even the coroner said, listen, the first one-year-old man here, healthy, goes to a party and is found dead. 
by rape and murder. You know, <laughs> something it doesn't normally happen. So her verdict was open, right? So she's left it open, her verdict. Can't understand, she didn't really say why he died, but she didn't know. Because nothing, or any of these people at this party, made any difference to this inquiry at all. If anything, I think they made sure they kept their mouth shut. Now, as I say, whether they kept quiet for loyalty, <clears throat> whether they kept quiet because they didn't know anything, because they were out there had to know anything, or whether they kept quiet because they'd been paid to keep quiet, we don't know. So let's hope on this new inquiry or this new um, charge that's come out, something else may come out. But at, until now, and what we're on the 7th of May 2021, we're no closer to knowing what happened to this lad when we was on the day that boy died. And I think this is a frustration for his father. He's fought and fought and fought for justice to this boy. He's called out Barrymore so many times, really about it because he wants to know the truth I want he wants to know what's happened to his son he wants someone actually I think to pay for what they did to his son which is fair enough and me and you everyone I know would be the same you'd be on this wouldn't you I wouldn't let it go I would not let it go now this Terry and he's a lovely bloke and you'll see some clips of him listen this chair is a lovely bloke, but you know, he's ill, and he was ill. They can't understand it. They can't understand how no one's been prosecuted for this case at all. How all these people all these years can be so silent as what to happen there. You know, it's, it's, it's a strange case, this one. It really is. Anyway, so let's talk about, I suppose we have to talk about Barry Moore a bit more because you know, Stuart's dead, and I'm trying to make sure that Stuart gets a good mention here, because he doesn't in many of the other cases, you know, or stuff that come up, it's more about Barrymore, because Barrymore's the ones that sells, isn't it, anything about Barrymore, well, Barrymore's a has-been, really, and even now, he's 68-year-old, you know, still walking about, he is declaring his innocence all the time, and let's hope he is innocent, I really hope he is, for his own sake, Ross is going to spend the next many years in prison if there's anything against him in the end. But this hope he is because he's continually said it. So let's talk about now what else has happened. So now, as this case is going forward, Barry Moore said that these injuries did not happen to Stuart at his home. It must have happened when he was taken to the hospital on that night. But that was proven to be untrue. So then Barrymore gets up and he leaves and he goes to New Zealand for a little while to try and get away from it all. Right? Now don't forget this man's not been charged with anything at this point. He comes back, he does Big Brother and all this, trying to get his career back together. Now I can understand that. I can understand that. But how can you get your career back when you have this hanging over your head? And it's not only about that, the death of this boy in your pool. It's about everything you've said and done. You've left the property. The boy has no longer just been drowned. You know, it's no longer just suspicious circumstances. We now know it's a rape and murder. And someone in your property did it. It's very difficult for TV or any of these agencies to want to hire you. It, it really is. And so I think he, he's tried, and I think with Barrymore, this is his problem. He's so consumed because, you know, I think some of these stars, that's all their life is, that's all they ever knew, was this sort of thing. But this case was about Stuart, and I think Stuart got forgotten in this, and, and actually Barrymore does say and give him that, that he wants the truth to come out. He wants this case solved. He wants to be exonerated. So he can move on. Um, but none of them have done anything to help this case move on at all. And when you're saying things about the coroner, you know, about the the people at the you know the staff at the hospital in the morgue, that they done that damage to Stuart Zanus. They done that. But the thing is, is when you're dead, your body doesn't bruise. 
You don't bleed. You've already lost most of it. So they knew the injuries to Stuart were done while he was alive. When he got to hospital, he was pronounced dead at 8.30am in the morning. There's no way that them injuries to his anal cavity were caused when he was alive. When he was dead, sorry. There was no way because there was no bruising. The bruising was there because you only bruise when you're living. You're not bruising. Now, Michael could be thinking, oh, I need to solve this crime and I'm going to help solve this crime. But in the end, you know, it was another waste of time. There had to be inquiry into that. You know, it's, it's very rare that you're going to take a 31-year-old man into a hospital. He's pronounced dead at 8.30. And then you're going to take him down to a morgue and they're going to abuse him with an object that sort of came from your pole. It's, it's, it's just madness, really. So anyway, that sort of all then backfires on um, on Barrymore again. And again, we're left dark with no answers because the police in the beginning found to collect the evidence, this was gone. Now there's a reason why the door handle was gone and this pump, about this long, this pump thing with four sharp edges to it was gone. And as I said, because that is probably the weapon that killed Stuart. And that's probably the weapon that damaged him so internally that caused him to have a cardiac arrest and die. That's that's probably what the theory is, and probably scientific evidence suggests that would have happened to Stuart. Very sad. So in 2007, I think on the 14th of June, three men were arrested in connection with Stuart's death. Finally, you're thinking, yes. And I know that Terry was so excited that he thought, yes, we're now going to find or get justice and find out what really happened to my son. Right, now one of these people was Michael Barrymore and he was and there was um, he was charged with two others and I'll mention them in a minute. Now, again, they was released then without charge. So what does Barrymore do? Barrymore then goes to sue, do a civil suit to sue the police for wrongful arrest, which is his right to do okay it's his right because he said and he's thinking again about his career they've arrested me even though they've let me go with no charge you're trying to put me in frame for this murder but what they're trying to say is and this is what happens when you take someone to court you see civil court because then the police have to give out their evidence don't they they have to say why they charged three people with this or in suspect in this they have to say. So then they named the three people that could have been the ones that could have done this murder. They named them in this part of their appeal because they're now being sued for wrongful arrest by Michael Barrymore. So, you know, we're talking now 2015 when he started to sue the Essex police. But, you know, as I've said, when you are suing someone, you're not just going to sue him because you say I've been wrongfully arrested. You have to prove you've been wrongfully arrested. You have to say, this is the reasons I've been wrongfully arrested. And then you have to give them the chance for their side of the story. And this is when this now, this paperwork, because everything that people didn't know about this case, that the police maybe have held back or looked into, is now public knowledge, isn't it? It's out there. So now people can read about why the police believe that you or an or other two, or one of other two men, three men, done this crime. They've now named you and they've now said why they believe it was you. Now listen, Barry Moore was um I think he was I think two thousand sixteen it was a point that the High Court papers showed that police had admitted that Barry Moore was wrongfully arrested and detained. Alright? Now it wasn't because of lack of um, evidence. It wasn't because of lack of evidence, and which a lot of people think, or they didn't have the evidence. It wasn't that. It was about a young PC, really. And it was about the way it was done. The way, the way the arrest was done. Not about the evidence. I think this young PC, I think it was Coots, his name was. Now, he was not fully aware of the grounds of the arrest. So if I'm coming to arrest you, or the police are coming to arrest me, they have to have grounds for arrest. Okay? It's all 
got to be done. You can't just arrest someone, you know, because you think, I'm going to arrest them. You have to have reasons. And them reasons, it was the lack of that, that the lack of reasonable grounds um, to the suspect of the claimant. So on the 18th of August 2017, the High Court in London ruled that Barry Moore would be entitled to more than normal damages against Essex Police. And normal damages are nothing really. Cost you'll get back and if you're lucky, you, you know, you might make seven grand if you're lucky. But he wanted more than normal damages. That means a lot of money, millions, really. And um, I think it was, that was 10 years previously as well. So this has took this long to get to court, 10 years to get this decision. Well, listen, Barrymore didn't get it. They appealed, the police appealed it. He didn't make loads of money. I think he was expecting to get 2.4 million or something for this wrongful arrest. You know, what, you know, things, you know, it would have been, you know, it's affected my career, it's affected this, that, you know, you're, you're, you, listen, your career was already affected. The minute you left your property, um, at a crime scene, or even if you've always an accident, you've left this poor young lad in your property, you, you know, your crib is already over, love. You know, really, you're trying to now sue the police. You, 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 not even Terry, Stuart's father, even though he tried to sue the police and he had the right to sue the police because they messed up this bloody investigation from day one because of Michael Barrymore, who he was, really, he didn't sue and want 2.4 million. Now, come on, you know. You've got to be a bit realistic here. So anyway, under appeal, the police won and the judge said he'd get ordinary, you know, payout. There would be nothing extraordinary about it. He isn't going to get 2.4 million. That just weren't going to happen. And it never did. And I think that was on the 1st of July 2019 that the police made a statement, actually, saying that the claim for damages was has been dropped and there'd be no payment made to Barrymore following an appeal. And the Court of Appeal judge determined that instead of Barrymore was entitled to just normal damages. And that was done in 2019. So this is what I'm saying, this case goes on and on and on. Not, but not for the right reasons, really. We're still talking about a dead boy here that no one's been prosecuted for. You know, you're trying to sue the police, you're trying to, you know, tell that the coroners or, or the people in the, in the hospital, the people that work at the hospital have done something, you know, it was throwing the, passing the buck to everyone else. I think the problem is in this case, some of these people need to take responsibility and just be honest. I think this is what this case really comes down to. And I think in um, 2020, I think in 4th of February 2020, police thought, do you know what, we're going to have to do something here because none of these people are talking. This loyalty, you know, they've got for one reason or another, these lot are not talking. And we know there's a murderer mixed in the lot of them, we just don't know which one it is. They didn't. They really didn't. So I think on the 4th of February, they released, um, uh, in 2020, they released this £20,000 reward for information leading to a conviction. Now, they still didn't get a lot from it. But then, they then I think on the um, they increased it I think to twenty to forty thousand just to put an incentive out there because come on, incentives of money make a lot of people whose usually loyalties are to someone for that loyalty to be broken, really. So this is why now we're up to now, you know, March twenty twenty one when the police, the Essex police, arrested a man in his 50s in connection with this murder. So it was March the 17th actually that they arrested this man and they arrested him and he was a 50 year old man from Cheshire in connection with indecent assault and murder of Stuart. And as a result of this appeal, police were preparing to submit to the Crown Prosecution Service. Now, what happens when you've arrested someone on the suspicion of, right? Whatever it is, they're gonna do it, um, him for. The CPS, or the Crown Prosecution Service, have to look at all the evidence that the police have given them, right? And when they look at that evidence, they have to weigh up a probability, really, 50-50. Is this case, one, got the evidence is going to make a conviction, because these cases cost a lot of money. Two, is it within the public interest 
that this case should be prosecuted and you know you might win so you're looking at probabilities here so you're looking at evidence now the problem is with this case and I would love to say right and I, I really would for, for Terry's sake alone because I know this man's very ill and wants this case finalized but we're talking about the law here and we're talking about the law of evidence so now what would these people have because we know don't we right from the early stage of this case that the Essex police no matter why they did it they did it they didn't secure the this you know area this scene of crime scene enough to where people were allowed to come and go and take things out including evidence don't forget the door handle and the the, the tool for the pole has never been found to this day and so there is no link to evidence there. there there's nothing there so that's one thing against now when you think are the prosecution going to go with this case i think the other thing you have to look at here is if you're trying to prosecute this case or you know when you, when you really think you're going to get a safe case where you could win this case is that everybody at this property it's been you know over 20 years why now are we saying that because you put a £40,000 reward up, that's now someone has automatically remembered something? You know, if you're this person's defence, this is the first thing you're going to think about, aren't you? You're going to think about one, what, what evidence, if there's circumstantial evidence, you have to make sure you have witnesses, because we know there's no physical evidence now, because that was lost um, in the crime scene. We now know that these people have been many many years and no one's come forward have they and said anything about this case actually they've lied about this case for money from from day one really no one actually cared about Stuart in this case at all everyone was out for their self to save their self and that's human nature I suppose but when you are doing a defense I suppose for this man you would bring up these sort of things the other thing is is that everyone at this party everybody was on drugs MDNA, you know, cocaine, alcohol. They'd been in a nightclub until 2.30. They're drunk all night. How reliable is their evidence? How reliable is it? Their memory. Now, the only thing is what I can say about this man that has been, because um, we can't mention his name, we're not allowed to mention his name, but we know he's at this party, we know he's 50, so I'll leave it up to you to work that one out yourselves. Um, you have to think, though, the opportunity was there, wasn't it, for someone to murder, because of course it was, because Stuart was murdered. So if now you're going to go and prosecute this man, what evidence have you got that's any different from what you would have before? So unless you've got more than one person coming forward, telling their story, telling the truth for once in all these years, this case will fail. This, the there's no way the CPS unless there is evidence there, can even go for, to charge someone, really take someone to court for this, really to where they're going to win the case, to where there's going to be no chance of an appeal. You know, this man was, um, I think, 17th of March 2001. He was, um, you know, questioned in connection for this. We're now in May the 7th. We're waiting, I think, you know, it's gone to the Crown Court prosecution now so it'd be really interesting to see if the crown, uh, crown prosecution service take this to court because if they do i think they're going to have evidence which is going to hold up in court now at this point uh, michael barrymore has not been questioned at this point but of course he will be and he's absolutely willing to be questioned okay he's willing to be questioned that's what he said he's willing to be questioned in connection with this because really I think everybody now wants this to go away really I think it wouldn't it be lovely for Terry Stuart's father to die knowing that his son had got justice but I'm just not sure that's going to happen so listen you know <laughs> this is a strange case this one I'll keep you up to date on this case and what's really going on in this case if anything because we've had people arrested before you know we have and they've been released because of lack of evidence so I'm hoping this time that the police have got a really secure case here 
against this person, really secure, and that a, a conviction is imminent, and that's what they're hoping, all right? They put a lot of effort into this, the police. Give them that. They made mistakes at the beginning, and they've made up for it now, and they've really, really tried to get someone for this crime. Very hard when the evidence has been lost and people won't talk. Let's see if £40,000 has made a difference to them. Because someone's really got to stand, haven't they? Justice has got to be served here for this poor lad, really. So let me just tell you quickly about the people who were at the party. We had Jonathan Kennedy. Now, Kennedy is 50 from Blackpool in Lancashire. Was Barrymore's boyfriend at the time of, the, of Stuart's death. He was formerly a drag queen artist but more recently he became working as a driving test examiner. Kennedy, along with Barrymore, uh, invited seven other guests, so the girls and the boys, this is including now uh, Stuart, to the house um, to party together and they all came from the Millennium, uh, Millennium Nightclub in Harlow in Essex. He was one of the three arrested um, on suspicion of murder by Essex Police in 2007 before he was released without charge. Justin Merritt, former dustman, Justin, 46, was unemployed when he went back to Barrymore's home along with his sister Kylie. Reports from that time claimed that Justin was an unofficial minder to the TV star during that night, an unofficial minder. He had walked up to Barrymore outside the nightclub earlier and said, I'll look after you, I'll be your security, I'll get you home. Justin Merritt said that he claimed to have shared a jacuzzi that night with Stuart. And the last time he saw Stuart, Stuart was dive bombing, you know, doing bombs into the pole. And he left him there and that's what he was doing. Now he, along with Barrymore and Kennedy, were arrested on suspicion of murder, but again, they was released. He was one of the three. So when the police said about in the appeal, you know, when they um, was being sued by Barrymore, the three people they mentioned were Merritt, um, Kennedy and Barrymore. They have said that one of them three committed this murder. That's what they have said. Kylie Merritt. Kylie Merritt and just, is Justin's sister and she had been present with him in that night at the nightclub and when Jason had offered to be Barrymore's minder on that night. They were out partying. They're from Essex, you know, Harlow area. They've gone to this club. They've met Barrymore, as I said, this star. He's like, I'll look after you tonight. Listen, it's a freebie. It's a free party for these people. Really, that's what it was. Now, these are the ones, so we're with Kylie and the brother and Barrymore and Stuart all got in a taxi from the um, nightclub in Harlow, the Manillium nightclub, to um, Royden, to his home, Barrymore's home. Now, the taxi driver has stated in that, and this is in his words, he stated that Barrymore was so drunk he could hardly lift his head up he leant against the back, because he was in the back seat, Barrymore, he leant against the man's chair and said, I want a fuck. And then fell back in his chair. Now this is the state of mind that Barrymore was in, but this is also the condition that Barrymore was in. He could hardly walk. You now had Jason and Kylie Merritt in the taxi with him. You also had Stuart in the taxi with him. The others went off in a different car and they all met there. So listen, I, we don't know what happened in that taxi. We don't know what was said. We don't know if Stuart liked Kylie. You don't know, because Stuart loved the women. Now Kylie has said a lot of things in her statement of what she can remember. Now Kylie said that on another occasion, on this time, she saw Barry Moore with two men in a small room near his bedroom. She also said that she saw um, Stuart outside by the pole on his own at some point. 
She also claimed, didn't she, that Go um, uh, Barrymore had produced um, cocaine on that night and he'd tried to rub it into the gums of Stuart, but Stuart denied and um, turned his head. He didn't want anything to do with him, I don't think. Uh, she did take a lie detector test for the News of the World, which suggested that she was not being truthful when questioned about what happened on that day. Now, as I've said to you, none of these were truthful about anything. Because one, I think they just made up a load of lies because I can't really remember. So, you know, do we believe lie detector tests or not? Or do, does she think she's telling the truth because she's out of her head on drugs? She didn't remember. We don't know. So James Future, now he is a 41 and he's a chef and he lived near Barrymore actually in Royden, Essex. He would tell the court how the TV star offered him white powder shortly after arriving to the house at the party. He later would add that he believed the drug was cocaine. I don't think he took it. Now he had met Barrymore on um, I think several previous occasions and have had a drink and they've played cards together. He had been at the nightclub with Barrymore that night and had agreed to go back to the house um, just for this like, impromptu gathering really. It was just like, we'll come back to mine. And listen, we've all done it in the 80s. I've had loads of people back at mine. You do it. But you know, something went wrong in this property. Something went wrong here with these people, this mixture of people, mixture of drugs and drink. Something went terribly wrong here. Now Simon Shaw. Simon Shaw was a friend of uh, the filter of Mr. Filter, who was the neighbour of Barrymore. Now, he was there also during that night, and he also, during the testimony in the, um, in the um, call, he said that he's the one that spotted Stuart in the bottom of the pole. He jumped in to try and save Stuart, but Stuart was very heavy, couldn't get him out. So he came back up for a breath, then finally went to try and pull him out and do that. And that's how they got him out of the pole. So Mr. Shaw, after doing this, left the home with his friend, Porter, as he thought of what has happened was a bit scary. And then they were joined by Barrymore. They all went back to Mr. Shaw's home where they spoke about what had occurred while Barrymore made a phone call to his PR man. So when Barrymore left the property before the ambulance people got there, that's where he went. Now, Claire Jones and Kelly Campbell were also there. Now, Miss Jones at the time was 17-year-old cashier and her friend Kelly Campbell, both now 37, um, had only met Barrymore in the early hours of the morning in this nightclub, to tell you the truth and then they were also invited back to this party. So it wasn't all men, it wasn't a gay orgy, there was a lot of people invited back to this party. Now she would later tell police that she saw Barry Moore rummaging through drawers and changing his clothes before the police arrived. Mrs Jones also um, told police that when Barry Moore left the house, he had a bundle of material under his arm. That was her testimony. So, I suppose, what can you say about this case? I've said to you, haven't I, the police are preparing this file for the prosecution to consider whether to charge this man or arrest him on suspicion. You know, this man who they've arrested on suspicion of murder. And, and that, will they, are they going to charge him? If they charge him, what evidence have they got? I'm very curious to find out. Because then, hopefully, now the truth will come out. But Stuart Lubbock, 31, right? 31 year old, victim here. Barrymore's not a victim. Barrymore was a victim of his own bloody doing, really. He's lost his career over his lifestyle, over the way he chose to run his life, and over, really, whether he'd done this crime or not, or had anything to do with this crime, you had an innocent man die in your home. Die. You decided to leave. You incriminated yourself from me, you did that. Because you want to protect your career, which he lost anyway. He lost it anyway. So the real victim here, the only victim here, is Stuart. And his dad is absolutely right. 
Everyone's forgot about Stuart in this, haven't they? Everybody. Everybody. It's all Barry Barrymore, Barrymore this, Barrymore wants to make a comeback, Barrymore, Barrymore, Barrymore. No, it's not Barrymore really. It's not about Barrymore. This case is about Stuart. This case is about getting justice for a man that was so terribly raped, injured. The sexual assault that this man had upon him, he didn't survive. It killed him. And then they covered it up, made it try to make it look like a drowning. Somebody did it. Somebody, out of all these people that I've mentioned, did that to that boy. And let's hope that someday this case will actually be solved. Because it needs to, really, doesn't it? And I really hope that it's solved before Terry, Stuart's father, life ends through prostate cancer. I really hope he finds out what really happened to his son. I really do. So thank you for watching. Thank you. I hope you found this case interesting. You know, it's a, it is an interesting one. I'll keep you up to date with what goes on. And as I say, I can't be sure. You know, you don't know what they've got. No one knows what they've got. They've not even named him. Okay. Um, so we just have to wait and see. But as soon as I find out some other news, I'll let you know. So you know what to do. Thumbs up if you found this case interesting. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. This case will be on um, Spotify, on podcast for you to listen to. Thank you to all my partners in crime and hello all of you and you'll see the list of my members as they come up as I uh, keep adding to it as they're coming through. Thank you for that. So you know what to do. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.